0: Esther chapter five. Esther chapter five. As you're turning there, even though there was a video announcement, it's so important to me, I want to take a pause for the calls and talk about it right now. So all the women in the house, I'm giving you permission to just to tune me out. Like just act like I'm your husband and just tune me right out. So just to me right now, but all the men in the house, I want you to hear my hear me, not just for married men. All the men in the house, whether whether you're sixteen, eighteen, whatever, you know whatever age you became a man, for our teenagers as well. Coming up December the 12th, we want to see you at spare time. We have only a limited number of spots that we can fill. And so for $25, it's it's uh, it's a buffet, it's bowling, it's a game card, and you're going to get to hang out with me and a bunch of other men from the church. So we want you to sign up ASAP. Uh, you can do that on our website as well if you do that right now. Actually, if you're sitting there, you can go online, you can pay and, and get registered, or you can do it later today. But we want you to sign up. Bring a coworker. Bring a friend. Bring your uncle, your crazy uncle, your dad, uh, your brother, whatever it looks like. Uh, you're welcome to bring your sons with you. Um, and so we want you to come out and have a good time. We're going to watch some football. We're going to bowl. We're going to eat. Don't forget to bring your ugly Christmas sweater as well. Um, let's just show spare time what Crossroads is all about. That's all I'm saying. So, anyway, it's going to be a good time. We're going to have a lot of fun. So, I want you to sign up for that. Esther chapter 5. Say amen when you're there. If you have the Bible app, you can open that as well and you'll have. The notes there. So we're not going to take necessarily all this time to read Esther chapter 5. A lot is happening here. As you're turning there, as you're looking at that, I just kind of want to give us a glimpse back on where we've been so far in this series as we've been studying the book of Esther. For those that are with us for the first time in the house, maybe as guests for the first time, or, or, or you've been gone for the last few weeks, and you're just now getting a chance to sit in the service today, we've been going through the book of Esther. Some interesting facts about the book of Esther that we've been discussing that we talked in, in detail in uh, chapter one, or excuse me, in the first week of Esther. As we, we talked about, first of all, that God is never mentioned in the book of Esther, how crazy is that? I mean, this is in the Bible. How odd is it that there is a book in the Bible that never mentions God once? Another interesting fact about this book is that nobody ever prays in Esther. Now, is anybody already before it's before it's eleven fifteen? Is anybody already said a prayer this morning? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Lots of hands going up. Saying, "Now, I'm not going to ask you what you pray because maybe it was like you know." God bless them before I bless them kind of prayer, you know. Uh, you prayed on the way to church, you know. Uh, you, you prayed for, for lots of things. But a lot of us have already prayed this morning. But in the book of Esther, God's never mentioned. No one ever prays. And yet this book of the Bible is right here in the middle for us to read and for us to see. We see this young woman who's lost her parents. We don't know how they pass away. We just know that they're gone. We're not really for sure she has any brothers or sisters, it doesn't make any mention of them if there are. We don't even know her parents' name. We just know that she has an uncle, Mordecai, who's asked her to do something pretty ungodly, actually. To go be part of a pagan king and his rule and to sleep with him. And through that, God's going to use her to do great things and actually saved the nation of israel and so as we've been talking about this i think the parallel like i've told you before that we can draw from this is that that some of us even though our life may not have gone as planned or we lived according to god's word 100 percent, it doesn't mean that god stops looking at us and saying i want to use you look at your neighbor and say god is talking to you that was really really pedestrian God is talking to you. Look at your other neighbor and say, God is talking to you. Now, like some of you are pointing your finger, Some of you are really good at that, by the way. That was like a two-by-four coming right at that. I'm going to tell you right now, put my finger in your chest like I did this morning when I prayed over you. Esther chapter 5. Let's look at some of what Esther chapter 5 tells us a little bit. It says, now it came about on the third day. Everybody say the third day. All right, so just so you understand what we talked about last week in, in this last chapter of chapter four that we're all really familiar with in the book of Esther is that kind of what the book of Esther is known for, right, is the saying, for such a time as this, we've kind of all heard that before, and, and that certainly is a big part of what Esther is about, that she was born for such a time as this to save her her people, the Jewish people, to save them from annihilation, and so they could go back to their homeland, and so... What she tells her uncle to do and what she would do is she says, hey, before we do anything, let's fast and pray three days. Can I stop right here and just tell you that if you're about to make a major decision in life, there's nothing wrong with stopping and fasting and praying. Amen? Now, this is a freebie. This isn't going to cost you anything. This isn't notes today. It's not in the Bible app. This is a freebie for you. There's nothing wrong with fasting and praying before you make a major decision. In fact, I would tell you, if you're in the house today and you're about to make a major decision, you should pray about it. What a novel idea. We should pray about it and we should fast about it. Like And you're sitting there saying, Pastor Matt, I'm supposed to go without food? And I'm saying, yes, it's not going to hurt any of us to go without a little food. So to go, especially after Thursday, hello, <laughs> and Friday, Saturday. I don't know about you, but in our house, like Thanksgiving is like a week or two long. You get all those leftovers. Amen. And so to fast and pray about it. So that's what she does in chapter four. And so on the third day is where it picks up in verse one. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and she stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of his room. And the king was sitting in his royal throne, And he was in this room and opposite the entrance to the palace. And it happened when the king saw her standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight and he extended his golden scepter, which was in his hand, which was the sign to say, you can come here and you can touch this golden scepter. It's like kiss the ring kind of thing. And the verse three, the king said to her, what is troubling you? Because we all know that when a woman is troubled by the way, she's looking at us, it's okay to laugh there. I'm going to dig myself out in a minute. And so he says, what's troubling you? He says, on your request, even half of the kingdom, it'll be given to you. Can I just say right there? I would have said, you know what? Just go ahead and give me half the kingdom. Forget what I came to you about. You just give me half the kingdom. If we're being honest, that's some of what we would have said. But, and Esther says, if it pleases a king, may the king and Haman come to this banquet that I have prepared for him. I mean, who serves a banquet for their enemy? Haman is the one trying to kill them and yet she wants to have a banquet for him she wants to serve him she wants to have this banquet for him and and so the king says all right let's have this banquet and so he summons him and they come together in verse six and as they drink their wine at the banquet the king said to her what is your petition again i'll give it i'll give you half the kingdom if you ask for it and she says my petition is this that basically i'm going to throw another banquet tomorrow. And I want you and Haman to come to that banquet. And so I'm going to wrap up on this note here. That if you just continue to read the, the rest of chapter 5, it's Esther planning this banquet. Haman became, becoming very upset with Esther, with Mordecai and all the Jews, talking with his wife. And she tells Haman basically, hey, you better make some gallows and you better hang, hang, uh, you better hang Mordecai on it because we don't want this guy coming to power. We don't want this guy to rise up. We don't want these people to rise up and put us in our place. And so that's what's happening in the rest of chapter 5. And you can certainly read it for yourself as you go along. Now, we've learned four primary things or three really that we're coming to the third thing today and the fourth thing we're going to wrap up next week. If you're taking notes in the margins of your Bible, feel free to write there. I promise you if you write in your Bible or highlight, God will not get mad at you. So pull your pen out, grab your phone, whatever you got to do in the Bible app and write these write these things down real quick. Number 1, God has a plan. We learned that God has a plan. Number 2, we've learned that Satan has a plan. Number three, what we're talking about today, we have a choice. God has a plan, Satan has a plan, we have a choice. We're going to be talking about that today. Stay in our lane. God has a plan, Satan has a plan, we have a choice. And the last thing is this that God has the answer. Look at your neighbor and say, You don't have the answer. Look at your other neighbor and say, God has the answer. Now, we just had Thanksgiving, if you didn't know that, this past Thursday. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. Cowboys lost. Hey, 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 hey. God heard that too. You know, we had Thanksgiving. We celebrated with our family. We ate a lot. I'm sure we did. If you didn't, you're a liar. But anyway, we all ate a lot. We had we had food. We had fellowship. We had fun with our families and our friends, whatever that looked like you know for us we had to make plans because maybe like a lot of you you have a large family is anybody here you're brave enough courageous enough not only to say that you have a family but that you have a large family ah right, yeah so some of us we have we have large families we have a large family and so we have to make plans and i when i say we by we i mean holly holly has to make plans i just say you know you just tell me where to show up more to eat and i'm going to be there and so Thanksgiving Day. Part of that day, we were at my brother's house, and then the other part of the day, we loaded up and we went to the Dallas area to be with uh, one of her brothers and so and the rest of her family. And, and so, we, we made plans. We and it's not unique to Thanksgiving. We make plans for a lot of things. We make plans for our future in our home. We make plans for our marriage, for our career, our finances. We make plans for the church. We strategize. Anybody ever hear you make plans before? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever said this, like, I w- I'm planning to do it, and it never gets done? Or it passes, and you tell someone, oh, I planned on doing that. Like, Holly will say, well, she called not call me Pastor Matt at home, but she'll say other things. But she, one of those things, she'll say, Matt, the trash is still in the trash can. I was like, well, I'm, I'm planning on doing that. My favorite thing that my kids to say, Roxy's in here to verify this, I tell my kids all the time, Harrison especially will ask me for something. I'll say, you know what, son? Let me pray about it. Parents, can I just give you an awesome out? You just play the ace of space. Play the God card is what I call it because nothing trumps that. What can your kids say when you say, oh, you know what? I need to pray about it. They're like, hey, mm, nothing. I got nothing on that. And so we say that a lot. We say, I'm planning to do that. Or past tense, oh, I planned on doing that. I had planned for that, I'd planned on doing that, or I'm planning to do that, right? There's something that you're planning to do, but I think for most of us, or for some of us, anyways, what we really say is it's lip service. I'm planning to do that. It's right, it's like saying, Oh, I'm planning to get right with God. I'm I'm gonna get around to it. I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to get my life right. You know, I'm planning to forgive him. No, you're not. I'm planning to forgive her. No, you're not. Forgiveness is, can I just say, not a planning thing, right? Um, I love the young parents in the house uh, or, or people that are planning to have a child. And all of us that have kids, you're like, there's no planning to it. Like nine months comes and there's a human being that you're responsible for. And you're like, now what? Now what do we plan to do? We plan to survive. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> amen. All the parents shout amen. We all plan a lot of things. Can we put number one back up, please, that God has a plan. Let's not miss this church. Now, for those of us in church circles, and what I mean by that is that 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 worshiping with a church family on a Sunday morning is a regular box that you check. We're familiar with like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We're familiar with scriptures that God is for us, he's not against us, like we sing in this song, our last song, that he makes me brave. But but it certainly is a fact that God has plans for us. To think about this church, that the architect of creation, the God of the universe, has thought about you long enough and enough to make plans for your life. Before you were born, he began strategizing about you. And planning for you. And thinking about you. Look at the person next to you and say, God has plans for you. Get your neighbor if you don't have somebody next to you. Get your neighbor. God has plans for you, each and every one of us. And you know the beauty of this church is that when we get out of our lane and we do things that we're not supposed to do, when we're not good Christians, whatever that means, and we're bad Christians, whatever that means, but when we got out of God's will, God still has plans for us. It's not like he says, oh, you know what? Throw the, throw the baby out with the bathwater. There it goes. Oh, man, I just can't use them anymore. I can't do anything with their life anymore. The good news is that Jesus, when he redeemed us, he redeemed everything. He redeemed it. He redeemed it. He, he redeemed us. And so God has a plan for us. He has a plan for this church. He has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan for your kids. He has a plan for your career. Sir, ma'am, can I tell you that you're not there just to draw a paycheck? That eternity is bigger than your paycheck. It is bigger than your 401K. And if you're serving and, and working in a place that you don't like, and none of my staff should say amen, but if you're in a place where you're working and that you don't like, can I tell you that God is not cared doesn't care so much about you being comfortable? as he is about his kingdom. And what we've done in our circles and church circles is we've said, if I'm not comfortable, God's not in it. But if we look at the Bible, we find that that is just not the biblical way of God. That most more often than not, that God says, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. And that's how you'll know you're in my will is when I'm asking you to get out of the boat. When I'm asking you to ask the sun and pray for the sun to stand still. When I put you in the lion's den and will you still serve me and love me? God has plans for us. He has plans for us. He's thinking about us. Can we stop for a moment and think about that? That everything is held together because he's thinking about it right now. That we're circling the sun because he's thinking about it. Because he wants it to circle the sun. It's not doing it because of science. We're, we're revolving around the sun because he wants it to revolve around the sun. And all the other planets that are in orbit are doing what they're supposed to do because he wants it to work that way. Are you with me today, Church? And so what the enemy does is he strategizes and he plans and he gets his demons together and he works so hard to get you out of orbit and sling you somewhere that you don't belong. And the whole time God is saying, I'm going to hold you together because my plan always supersedes his plan. Give God a praise. So, Tori, God has a plan for you. Shelly, God has a plan for you. Roxy, God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. Every teenager in the house, you need to know today that God has a plan for you. Every teenager in the house, you hear your heart of your pastor, God has a plan for you. And you've thought about suicide. Maybe you've tried cutting yourself. Maybe you've tried looking to other ways to make yourself feel worthy and valuable. Can I tell you today that God has already deemed you valuable. He has already deemed you worthy. When he sent his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to a cross to redeem your value. You are value and you matter to him. Amen. If you see a teenager today, not just in this church, don't run them off the road, but pray for them. Don't get frustrated with them. Pray for them. Love on them. They don't need anyone else pointing a finger in their face. They they need some love. They need some encouragement. Let them know they're going to make it. I don't know why he had me go that way, but he did. So whoever that's for today. God has plans for us. He has plans for us. He has plans for us. This is something that we're familiar with. This is something that you've heard me say before. This is something that is not new to you. If you've been in church before, if you've been in enough churches, you've heard this before. Chances are you've said this before. Chances are you've prayed this before. God, whatever your plans are for me, make them happen. Okay. And God says, okay, I hear you praying. Okay, I hear you praying. Okay, I hear you praying. You want my plans for you? Okay. Here's my plans. And then we get the plans, we're like, no, no, not those plans. What? You want me to go to him and say, will you forgive me? What? That can't be in your plan. And so you don't have to shout me down because I'm talking to somebody. God, you want me to go to her and tell her that I love her and that I forgive her? That's part of your plan? Yeah, that's part of his plan. He's saying, God, you want me to talk to this person at work about you and how you redeem me and you can redeem them? That's Christianese. Nobody even knows. If I say at work, nobody's going to know what the word redeem means. They're going to be like, what? What's he talking about, redeemed? God has plans for us. God has plans for us. Satan has plans for us. He does. John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that you might have life and life to the fullest or life more abundantly. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are his plans. They're pretty simple because he's simple. He's not complex like our God. He can't be everywhere like our God. He can't do everything like our God. He cannot create like our God. He can only manipulate. And so he takes God's plans and he turns them against you. And when things don't happen in our time frame, we say God is not for us. Here is Esther. She loses her parents. She's stuck with her uncle, and her uncle tells her to go do one of the most ungodly things, disobey the Ten Commandments. What? God, this can't be your plan for me. But God says, I'm going to use all of that anyways. From the beginning. From the beginning when, when man fell, from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, and really Eve sinned and Adam did what he was told. But at any rate, we'll say that for another day. But I'm just saying, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Anyway, so, point being, when Adam and Eve sinned, from the very beginning, God began to put his plan into motion. And he says that he was going to send a savior and he would send a king, and this king would come from the nation of Jewish people. And here we have this woman. This young teenage woman in the palace of a king. And in chapter four, it says she was put there for such a time as this when Haman says, we're gonna wipe all the Jews off the face of the earth. God says, wait, 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 wait. I I, have a plan for you. I have a plan. So what I've done is I've stuck a teenage, young teenage woman right in the palace of a pagan king to save everybody that is to come. So when my son who is prophesied would be a Jew, there will be some Jews left in Bethlehem. Are you hearing my heart today, church? The God's plan is bigger than what you see. Esther didn't know this was going to happen. This is 50 years before, before Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem to build the walls. It's before all of that. And here is Esther, this young teenage woman saying, God, what are you doing with my life? And God says, if you'll just be faithful and obedient, my plan will be revealed. And so God saw the future, and he saw his son, and his son had to be Jewish. His son had to be born at Bethlehem, and all the prophecies, and this is part of it. So he sticks Esther. He allows Esther to be there. He puts his hand on her, and he says, even though she's done ungodly things, even though she's done things that are contrary to me, I'm still going to use her. How many of us, is that our story? We've been contrary to God. We've done ungodly things, and we've said ungodly things, but yet God continues to use us. God has a plan and Satan has a plan. Number three, we have a choice. We have a choice. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a choice. Are you still with me today? We have a choice. This is where the God part stops and the us part begins. God says, I love you. I've redeemed you. I have a plan for you. Now, will you come in agreement and partner with me? let's make this plan doable. Let's execute this plan because what God is not going to do, come here Roxy, this is my beautiful daughter. Hey, who did that? <laughs> what God's not gonna do you just stand right here. You just be beautiful like you're being beautiful. Listen to me church what God is getting tall. what God's not going to do is he's not going to move our hands for us like we're puppets, right? And he's not going to say, hey, here's this microphone, and I'm going to move your mouth, and you're going to say, he's not going to do that. He's going to come to us, and he's going to say, here's my plan for you. Here's my plan for you. Will you come in agreement with me? Will you do your part? And we want God to do everything. But God is saying, will you take the microphone? Will you get on the stage? Will you talk to your neighbor? Will you forgive him? Will you forgive her? Will you love your spouse? Wives, will you submit to your husbands? Husbands, will you love your wife as as God loved the church and gave himself up for her? Are you with me today, church? Thank you. You sit down. Give her a big hand. (sighs) We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. It's not about Jesus accepting us. It's about us accepting Jesus. That's the real question. The real question is not, will he say yes? He said yes to God over 2,000 years ago. The question is now, will we say yes in return? Will that be something that we say? Will we partner with him? Will we come into agreement with him? Or will we remain obstinate and arbitrary to the call of God in our life? For some of us, for some of us, our yes is simply this, like I said earlier. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is your yes right now. For some of the wives in here, your yes is to submit to your husband. And you are struggling with it. (laughs) Or Even right now, you're struggling with it. It's like, oh, he's not even talking to me. He's talking to us. I sure hope she heard that. Or the husband here is like, man, I sure hope he heard that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Here's what we're going to do. Holly, will you join me right now? We're just going to take a moment because I feel like we need to do this. We talked about being brave and courageous, and I told you we would hit on this. And so here it is. No marriage is perfect, nor is ours. You can agree right there. Yes, yeah, I. If you want to say it's perfect, that's fine. We'll just move right on. It's not perfect. It's not. If I'm honest with you, for every married couple in here, for, for the marriages here today, it is there are. We have our moments too. We have our moments. What you see here is not always what happens at home. There are. There are. There are passionate conversations that we have with each other. We don't argue. We have passionate conversations. <laughs> oh man! But if you're if you're a married couple in here today, and. There, there's right. There's always the extremes, and this is what we think about. We say, oh, well, you know what, Pastor Matt, we're not talking about divorce. But can I tell you, before you talk about divorce, you talk a lot about other things before you get to that. But maybe you are in here today, and divorce has been part of the topic. And you've already planned in your mind what life would look like without them and you've planned what would happen with the kids, and you've planned about what you would do with the car and the house, and you've just planned about that. Or maybe you're here today, and your marriage is not on the brink of divorce. Maybe it's just, like I said, a matter, a simple matter. I say simple, but a matter of forgiveness. And there's something that happened like two weeks ago, and you still haven't forgiven him or her over. But if you're, and you fit somewhere in between there, you say, Pastor Matt, we want to be brave, and we want to be courageous, I'm going to ask you just to stand right where you're at, Maybe your spouse isn't here with you today. Maybe they're serving somewhere. Maybe they're not in here. You can just stand right where you're at. Be brave and be courageous. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Doesn't mean you're going to hell. Doesn't mean you don't love God. Doesn't mean you love things. We're just we're just pausing right now because I believe Holy Spirit has something unique for the for what we're talking about. God having plans for us, Satan having plans for us, and we have a choice. So for those that are standing, let me just say this right now. You have a choice. I can choose every day to love my wife as Christ. I don't have to. I choose to. God is not going to make me love her. He's not going to make me give myself up for her as Christ gave himself up for the church. He's not going to make me do that. I have to choose to do that. And conversely, she's not going to submit to me. So many men, we want our wives to submit, but we give them nothing to submit to. That was good. Somebody should say that was good. That was real good. You're gonna get the podcast just for that. Download it just for that. And we want our wives to submit. We go to work and we bash our wives. And we make fun of our wives behind their back, and we say, "Man, they're not submit to me." They don't. Submit. But we give them no leadership. We give them nothing to submit to. Why would they submit to a, a you know a, a a king? We're no kings. We're not kings. We're followers too and, they, and we're, they're supposed to submit to our ungodly ways and our ungodly actions. We're just going to pray today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what lane you're in. I don't know where you've been or why you're standing, but he knows. And that's number four. And you can put that on the screen, that God has the answer. He has an answer for us. Amen? God has the answer. He just does. And he has the answer for marriages and homes. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you for today. These are your sons and these are your daughters. You know them inside and out better than I do. You know the conversations that have happened behind closed doors, the passionate conversations, the arguments, the Lord, those times where we've been dictating one to, to one another. Lord, I speak on behalf of the husbands to forgive us when we have loved less than you have loved us. Pray for the wives in here who are having trouble submitting their flesh and submitting their will and their ways and their mouths and their words. Lord, that we would be Christ-like in all that we do. Bless these homes, strengthen these homes. I rebuke demonic attacks. I rebuke the demonic assignments where Satan has come in like a flood. We ask that you raise up a standard. And where the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, I pray that they would experience life abundantly life to the fullest in their homes and their marriages and we give you praise and glory and God's people say, amen amen can we give God a praise just right where we are everyone just stand we're just gonna take that moment right there you know we're to close with this moment know this that in this life absolutely 100% God is gonna ask you to take a risk he is he's gonna ask you to do something that doesn't feel comfortable, that feels unnatural. Because if it's comfortable to us, if it's natural to us, we won't see him. So there will be a moment or moments, he's going to be like Peter, step out of the boat then, right? Take the microphone, get on the stage, talk to your co-worker, whatever that looks like, love on your family, forgive your spouse, forgive your neighbor who's offended you, whatever that looks like, you're going to take some risk, 100%, absolutely, When God has plans for you, it involves risk. Can I tell you something, church? Stop trying to mitigate the risk. Stop trying to manage the risk. This isn't the stock market. It's God, okay? And he's going to say, take a risk. And can I tell you what? 100% the risk will will be worth the reward, amen? It will give God a praise in this place. Amen. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to give you a formal dismissal. As we are doing this, I'm going to ask our prayer partners, our staff, our elders to join me at the front. We take an opportunity every Sunday morning to pray with those that want prayer. We believe in the infallible word of God from Genesis to Revelation, the word of the Word of James. The book of James says that we can call for the elders of the church and lay hands on the sick. And the, 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 the prayer of the righteous, they shall recover. So we want to pray with you today. Maybe you have an unspoken need. Maybe it's just between you and God, and you want someone to pray with you about that. Maybe you're sick in your body. You want to stand in for someone. Maybe you stood up for your marriage. And you just kind of want to book in today. You want to wrap today up. You want to book in today in a godly way. No matter what that looks like, we want to pray with you. We're going to sing and We're going to worship. I'm going to give you a formal dismissal. We love each and every one of you. Don't